Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you to the Players Club. Welcome back to the Players Club, where the players dwell. Uh, it's interesting, and we're going to get into the Russell Wilson audio because it's really it's vintage Russ. I mean, vintage Russell Wilson. But um, a, a really good question from the RamosLaw.com text line about the Alberto discussion and how he leaves a lot to be desired as a blocker. Quote, I'm confused on how a football player can go through Little League, junior high, high school, and college and not know how to block. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's um. What is it? I, I, it's technique. It's it's different when you get to the National Football League, and I think you know. You tell me, Chad, if you if you've noticed this. When I was in college at the University of Miami, I like to pride myself as a run blocker, but I had no technique. I was just bigger, stronger, more athletic than the guys that I was going against. Like uh, I was a little bit more advanced, but when I got to the NFL, I. I learned very quick that you better have technique in order to move that person backwards. If you don't have any technique, you're going to get a stalemate and you're going to get kicked out of this league. Yeah, I mean, the technique in the NFL is different. I got stuck watching uh, a blockbuster bowl I played in my junior year at CU. I was watching that last night. Like, what do you wow. mean you got stuck watching it? I was on YouTube. Did someone like, hold your eyelids open like in <laughs> Clockwork Orange? <laughs> No, but I, I, I desperately needed to turn off so I could get some sleep, but I kept going. And I was just, I was literally giggling at how poor my technique was, how poor all the techniques were, because we were college football players versus, mm-hmm. you know, just earlier in the evening, I was watching some, some more uh, of my tape from when I was in the, in the NFL. And my technique was just so much better. My understanding of leverage and hand placement and how just to manipulate and move people. So... Uh, yeah, I think there's a continued, as you move up through football, continued weeding out process. People don't have the right technique. And Albert O, I don't think his technique has been there, although it's now is improving. But also the willingness has not been there. If you play tight end, you want to catch passes. You don't want to be known as the best road grading tight end in the league. You want to be known as the best pass receiving tight end in the league. That's why as a linebacker, whenever they ask a running back to block me, I already know I have the advantage. You want to score touchdowns and tote the rock. Mm. You do not want to block me. Mm. Just simply from a want-to standpoint, simply from a job description standpoint, you don't want none of this smoke, man. And all athletes are not created (laughs) equally, right? I mean, there are coaches that see you have possess a certain skill set, and they're like, the equit blocking, right? I mean, I'm— Julius Thomas? Yeah, I'm sure that that happened with Alberto in high school, Little League, college— and now he's being asked to do it in the NFL. When you just mentioned Julius Thomas' name, well, he was a basketball player. So in college now, they weren't asking him to block when they said, come back for your last year and play football. And I know they weren't asking him to block because I've asked him that question. And I remember when Jimmy Graham started playing football at the University of Miami, his first year of playing and getting drafted, we didn't ask Jimmy to block. We said, go run a nine route. Like, we're going to go expose these guys. But that speaks to, like, Viewing different athletes different ways, right? Because, Nate, you transitioned from wide receiver to tight end. I'm sure at that point they were looking for somebody saying, hey, because you don't have a certain skill set or whatever, or you haven't been doing it, catching touchdowns, mossing people, like you got to be able to do it all from day one, right? 
Well, as a, see, I had to do this weird transition twice because I went from D3 to the NFL. And in D3, as a D3 receiver, I didn't have to have a lot of technique. I, mm-hmm. I could rely on my athleticism. I mean, a DB would come and try to press me, and I would just move him out of the way. And I would go run my route. And then my first, you know, my first minicamp with the 49ers, I got Ahmed Plummer, who's their starter, who's stepping in front of me, and I tried to do the same move, and it didn't work, right? So you have to... You're supposed to just move out of the way. We all did that early in our rookie year. Right, and yes. so, so I had to learn you know, more technique off the line of scrimmage as a wide receiver, but then becoming a tight end, the passing game was easy for me. It okay. was the running game that was hard. Yeah. Um, and so the passing game was my advantage. That's why I was moved to tight end, so I could take advantage of the defense. Um, <laughs> In the passing game, but the running game was my weakness, and I, and now I had to work on the weakness. You don't realize when you get to the NFL that everybody's good at everything. So, so what was your approach, though, to work on that weakness? Every day, just getting my ass kicked and doing the thing and following my coach's advice and sticking my head in there. It really was about sticking your head in there mm-hmm. and learning how to fire off and, and create a collision that was a control collision, and then, you, you know, your hand placement and you're running your feet and your hips and then not leaning forward and being off balance. There's so many things to think about. What was more important, the the coaching aspect of it, or the fact of like, hey, I got to do this in order to get to. a paycheck? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, you have to be willing to do it. You know, it's not fun. It is not fun for a guy who doesn't have that skill set to go fire off into defensive ends and linebackers over and over and over, knowing that you are at a disadvantage. So where is the resistance with Albert O then? Is it just like he's in his mind? Because some guys uh, don't has- like that those collisions, and they're just uh, they're just like they Wait, don't. You're getting ready to get kicked out of the league, though. This like, is why so step it, this game up. This yeah. is why this is where desperation makes this happen. So we okay. So he finally is desperate. Yes. in year four, he's yes. like, like it's not like that doesn't happen in year one. That doesn't happen in year two. Like I, I remember, like year two for me, I, Peyton Madden's coming to, to the Denver Broncos. I high five and Clady in the airport. This is amazing. Immediately stressed the hell out. I got to make sure that I know how to block in the passing game. I can't be the first person to give up a sack. Does that neck hold up? They're going to cut me. So, like, immediately I turn from I could be this run grader and this, you know, just absolute physical specimen to I, I better learn how to pass block right now or I'm going to get kicked out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. Then that's, I mean, that's essentially it. And when your football mortality flashes in front of your eyes, when you find yourself deactivated as many times as Albert o was last year, that's when the realization comes. I think... There's a lot of people have blind spots, and they think they can just get by doing it their way. Alberto's now recognizing, I've got to add this piece to my game, or I won't have a game here in Denver. Some folks on the text line thinking he's going to end up in Seattle. This is a possibility. With his old boy, Drew? Yeah. Do you think Drew Locke is the plan in Seattle after Geno Smith? Uh, I think they want to ride Geno Smith. Geno Smith doesn't have a lot of wear on his tires. He's pretty fresh for the experience level that he has in the NFL. Yeah, but they gave him some good money, right? Yeah, uh-huh. how, how, like, how many years did they sign him to? Uh, I have to look it up. You don't have it in, the, in that big brain of yours, Chad? No, my big brain does not have that one up there just yet. All right, not, not hugely important, because uh, we got some good stuff from Russell Wilson here. Here is Russell talking about whether or not he feels pressure. I mean, pressure is a privilege, for sure. Do I feel the pressure? No. No, you know, I, I, don't, run, I don't run from it. You know, uh, I, I look forward to it. I run to it, if anything. I don't feel it. I do feel it. I love it. I hate it. I want it. I go for it. I run from it. I am I am pressure. Pressure is my middle name. Geno Smith, three years, $75 million. So he's, he's signed through the 2025 season. Yeah, okay. So, so the, he's a shorter-term solution. That's the perfect Russell soundbite. It's, I, 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 I can't help but giggle because it's so perfect. It's so on point for Russ. It's who Russ is. I don't, I don't get nervous. 
But do you believe him that he doesn't feel the pressure? How could you not? Does that mean that if like, he didn't feel the pressure, he wouldn't never train. He would have never drastically changed his body. If he didn't feel the pressure last week, he would have never pulled the ball down and ran, used his legs. His game would not be changing right before our eyes if he didn't feel the pressure. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. He runs to it, man. He runs to it. Here is here is Russell, Russell talking about why running is important to him. I thought uh, Coach Payton did a great job of calling plays that first drive for us, and um, you know, getting me in situations and guys making plays. Uh, I was really impressed with the offensive line. Them giving me time and space. The guys made some great plays. It was a good drive, and you know, all, you always want more. You know, just because you, you love playing the game and being in between the white lines. As a coach, all about Russ. That, that, that soundbite getting me into situations. <laughs> um, just seems like it's Russ. It's, let's make sure that we're we're realizing that there's ten other guys, and we need these ten other guys to perform at, at the highest ability they can perform at as well. But wasn't it's he all just about Russ? Wasn't he just praising the offensive line, saying how great it was? The can, holes can, they were opening up. Can Always we, in the GB zone. Can we just hear that soundbite again? Let's hear it, Johnny. Russell on why right. Uh, Coach Payton did a great job of calling plays that first drive for us and, um, you know, getting me in situations and guys making plays. Uh, I was really impressed with the offensive line, them giving me time and space. Guys made some great plays. It was a good drive. And, you know, you always want more, you know, just because you you love playing the game and being in between the white lines. Yeah, I guess. It seems just you always want more. I don't know. There's just something about that sound, but that doesn't sit well with me. All right, what about this one? Here's here's Russell about on what makes him a good running quarterback. You want to be able to do it all. You want to be able to, you know, get the ball at your hand. Like I said, you want to be able to get outside the pocket, make plays. You want to be able to be competitive and get first downs when you need it and your team needs it. Um, all those different circumstances. You also want to be smart when you're doing it. Um, understanding that when to get down, when to get out of bounds, uh, when to be physical, knowing when the game's on the line. You know, I think baseball helps too. You know, I played a lot of baseball, obviously. So knowing how to slide, protect yourself, uh, knowing how to avoid the big hit. To me, that is Russell's superpower as a quarterback, is the ability to get out into space and get down before he gets hit. Mm. To understand the convergence of the defensive players, understand the angles, understand his speed versus theirs, and avoid the hit, right? Can he do that, Chad? With guys like you coming after him and guys like you get younger every year. I don't think he can continue to do that and stay healthy. Uh, We saw a couple times where he took off last year and we got... Once got a concussion, once uh, what tore a pec muscle, yep. the other time pulled a hamstring. Yep. So uh, to think this is going to be a he staple. Tore, tore a lat. Yes. Oh, okay. There we go. As he gets as that. he gets older, um, I think he's clearly lost a step, um, and so these these young guys are going to be able to catch up to him in ways that he's not used to. So uh, this needs to be a option in Russ's game, but not a feature in Russ's game. Well, we're going to hear from more from Russell Wilson when we get back. Also, how does Sean Payton feel about the rest of the players who are going to fill out the 53-man roster? And what does it look like this week for those guys? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Yo, you're awesome. Yeah, you driving. Driving to Broncos joint practice. You're awesome. Look at, t- just take a look at yourself in the, the rearview mirror. Just look in your own eyes for a second. Yeah, that's right. That's you. And, and we are here. Day 300. Oh, zero zeros. Yeah, we got uh, Jonathan Cooper wearing zero now. Dame time. Oh, yeah, Dame time. Man. 
Double zero's not a thing anymore. It used to be a thing, though, right? Jamato. Back in your day? <laughs> no, before my day. People started... Uh, Jamato was like, uh, did your recruiting trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny Burroughs, longtime cornerback for uh, Houston Texans. He wore double zero. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about the, the zero thing? Like, if you, if you got to be that guy, according to Coach Prime, to wear one, two, three, four, what do you got to be to wear a zero? I don't know, man. So you got to be that guy for Prime for one, two, three, and four? Like, no, just those single-digit numbers. Yeah, yeah. you got to be that guy. Huh. It's got to mean something. Have they given out all the numbers now? They're like, are they done? Like, are, are there still some guys earning their numbers? I would hope not. <laughs> They're like, uh, imagine calling a game with a bunch of guys who haven't been given their numbers yet. That'd be tough. All right, Billy Ocean, day 300. It's a milestone. It's a milestone. So should we just keep going through the whole, like, the all the digits again, or should we do something else, guys? Well, how do, we'll have to get creative with this. This third time through, we got to figure out something a little different here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the text line can help us. Guys, what should we do to spice up the uh, the Billy Ocean countdown day or count-up day? Um, where did the rundown go? Anyway, looks like I lost one. Check it out, brothers. All right, so, guys, um, 53 men going to be on this roster right now. You got 90. 90 of them. And Sean Payton was asked about how he talks to the players about the 53-man roster. We don't have that sound, so I'm going to read it myself. Quote, there has to be a vision. The special teams can come into play the right type of player teammate, all those things matter when you're building a program relative to everyone this time of year with about a week before the final cutdowns understands what's at stake. The players, as well as the coaches and front office people, all these snaps are important, end quote. Is he being honest there, though? I mean, is it really all still up in the air, or are these guys pretty much uh, have their fate sealed? I think that you're about 40 to 43 spots maybe are, are you know sealed I really believe that you know you have your starters you have you know your rotation look at just last week alone Randy Gregory playing deep into the third quarter Frank Clark playing deep into the fourth quarter I think there is already a set rotation in that outside linebacker room I think when you start looking at these inside linebackers yeah your starters are Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton but Drew Saunders is making this football team right so you start looking at certain places and you know, offensive line, there might be one or two spots up for grabs as of right now. Uh, tight end, there might be one. You know, like, so I, I don't necessarily believe that this is true because I think probably about 80% of your roster is set at this point, and you're, you're trying to figure out the other 20%. I think what he's, there's, a, there's a kernel of truth to what he's saying, that all these factors are important. It's more than just... You know, what you can do. All the snaps are important, but what kind of teammate are you? What kind of locker room guy are you? What's your, what's your football character? All those kinds of things come into play when you're making some of these choices here that I was just, just talking about. There's one or two positions, uh, or slots in, in each room where there's a question mark, maybe. Maybe not a massive question mark, but there's a question mark where now they're going to be weighing out three guys. Here's our bottom three guys at this position. Which one do we want to keep? Which two, you know, do, or move on? Special teams coach, his chance to chime in on that. Uh, a lot of times we would ask in some of my internships, coaches from the other side of the ball, what do you think about this guy? You know, we know what we think on our side of the ball, but what troubles does he present your guys? So we can try to get as much of a, an opinion as possible to hone in on the right guy for this football team. It's not necessarily the best player. It's the right guy at the right time. 
Special teams is uniquely important, I think, to, to Sean Payton. You got to remember, he won his Super Bowl largely because of a, of a bolt of a ballsy special teams play, a, a momentum changing special teams play at the beginning of the second half. <laughs> Clearly, this guy values special teams in a way that maybe most coaches don't. Would that be fair to say? Uh, or has a clear demonstrable uh, connection to special teams and his personal success? Absolutely. When are we going to see the first trick play? Do you think we'll see one tomorrow? Or I mean, Saturday? Uh, trick play? No. Special teams? Yeah, like that's a uh, fake. Yeah, I, I. You want to throw I, one I, on tape, man? Give him something to think about. Yeah, I think that if you're a special teams coach, that it's it's unlike offense. It's unlike defense. If I was a special teams coordinator in the National Football League because I do view it exactly what you just said, Nate. Like, it's a big part of it. You could capture momentum. And what do you start every game off with? What do you start uh, every second half off with? So you have an opportunity to capture the momentum on these plays. I would always be thinking about the fake. I don't necessarily think that you want to burn one and waste one in preseason where you might not have everybody run it successfully out there. I was a kicker. One year in college because we showed our kickers nice. showed up and our, they were so duties, bad huh? that I ended up doing kickoffs, PATs, and field goals that year. The whole year, the whole year. Nice. So it's not really fun to do you know do a whole drive where you run a bunch of routes, you catch some balls, we score a touchdown, and then I got to line up and kick the extra point. Yeah. I missed some extra points that year. That's why I was just you, tired. That's why yeah, you couldn't wait for those pedicures, right? <laughs> yeah, to keep those. Things I needed low. one. I needed one. I was giving them to myself. But the kickoffs, the surprise onside was very su- successful mm. because they're not they're not ready for it. Because you know, on kickoff return, you're ready to run back and set up to block. I'm not always watching the ball. I mean, you're supposed to watch the ball off the tee and not move until you see that ball move. But some sloppy guys, they take their eye off it. They start moving, and it's you're very susceptible to the surprise onside. Why didn't you make the position change when the phone stopped ringing for the tight end <laughs> position? Why didn't you, you know, that's, hey, that's, that's, repurpose yourself? Hey, I, I'm now a kicker, guys. You should have been my agent. I definitely would have had you thinking in that direction. I, I was. Joel Dreesen was trying to come back with the Broncos <laughs> as a long snapper. <laughs> I, I, I pondered being a long snapper. Yeah, I pondered it seriously. That's yeah. one of the best jobs. In yes, the world. I thought, oh, if I could squeeze out a couple more years as a long snapper, that'd be great. I was our emergency kicker though on the Broncos, nice. and I and I had to prove that I could do it to our special teams co- coach Scotty O'Brien, who was um, you know an old school special teams coach. I told him I could do it, Scotty, and he kept me after practice one day and said, "Prove it." And he put a, put out the tee, and I showed him some kicks. He had me kick, try some field goals. I made some field goals. He's like, "All right, you're our emergency kicker." Love. Did it. you ever have to practice being the emergency kicker? Just that, just that moment right there. That was it. Just, that was it. That prove, was enough for him. Prove to me that you can kick it, and so if it gets in that situation, you can do it. Like Wes Welker was the emergency kicker in Miami. Yeah. So then when he came to the Patriots, uh, Bill would make him do emergency kicks from time to time, yeah. just to make sure he still had it. It was just that one time. Okay. But I was also the emergency quarterback that year, and okay. I did have to take snaps for, in front of my Shanahan and, and work some handoffs. He didn't have me like drop back and like go through my progressions or anything. <laughs> if it gets Isn't to that point, multi-purpose name. I'm man. telling you, that's the awesome. more you could do, that's why I was there. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Man. I made really good coffee too, man. For everybody, <laughs> yeah, back then there was perfect. no Keurigs, huh? <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> man, people would be slurping that coffee. I remember uh, Stephen Alexander would come into to meetings with coffee. Uh, a Gatorade. You remember Spark? Yep. That, that yeah. Spark, and he put a dip in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Just to get the day started, man. He was on the end. Of, he was ready to retire. It was the end for him. Any little thing to get me going. But you know what you don't need? 
to get Russell Wilson going. Anything artificial, this guy lives on it. We're going to hear more from Russell Wilson. Also, Sean Payton's impressions of tackle Mike McGlinchey's return to practice. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gather around and started talking, that's when Billy would take me a-walking. Out through the backyard, we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me. Wow, what a good song. Yeah, I had to let that play a little bit. had to let that play a little bit. All right, apparently the big boys are improving. The offensive line earned Russell Wilson's praise yesterday. Um, and to, me, to my eyes, they were opening up some holes. They had some moments. Um, but they're getting better. They have the talent, right? I mean, Orlando, don't they have the talent? Because... You know, I heard Sean Payton talk at the beginning of camp about, about how good they feel about that room. Yeah. Right? So isn't it about coming, just coming together, becoming a cohesive unit? And isn't that the last unit that comes together in, in the course of putting your game plan in and stuff like that because of all the moving parts? Yeah, but it's usually the run game, Nate. It's not the passing game. And that's where I've seen this offensive line struggle. Like, we will slow watched Ben Powers. And mind you, he was going against Devon Hardgraves, and that's a heck of a football player. But... There looks like some technique issues there going on with Ben Powers in the, in the pass protection department. So, you know, you hope that when guys show up to training camp that they're able to kind of hold it hold it together with their one-on-ones. And when you get into team drill, you know, with the pass and the D-line doesn't know which way the protection's coming from. If there's chip help, if the tight end is going to, you know, slowly release and, you know, bang that outside shoulder of that defensive end. So the passing game normally looks to be shored up at the start. And then you have to work on this run game and, you know, create that... You know, that cow, get calloused up, but create that familiarity with the guys that you're playing with on both sides. Well, Sean Payton was asked about the return of, of Michael McGlinchey and his impression uh, after that first practice. Here's what, he, here's what he said. Sorry. Here's what he said. Look, I'm anxious to look at the tape. It's good to have him back out there. You feel his presence in the huddle from a leadership perspective relative to just being at field level. Listen, it's it's not like I had a chance to look at him. Typically speaking, if you don't notice a tackle, something's sometimes that, that's pretty good. Look, I know that we're better when he's out there and you feel his presence just in the team drills. So the struggles that he's had, Orlando, Mike McGlinchey, and you noted and you noted those struggles as a as a pass blocker before we he got here. He's a little bit taller than your average uh, tackle, so so it, so is you, man, right? Yeah, but with him, it's going to take a, a little bit more, you know, flexibility with, with the ankles, the knees, the hips, in order to kind of get down there and get your pads underneath those guys that are rushing. But it's harder to go sink those hips when you're going backwards than there is to sink those hips while you're going forwards, right? How does that? How does that? How has that affected like your ability to pass block when a co- when a quarterback runs around a lot like Russell Wilson does? Uh, for me, I've always loved it because it means I can be a lot more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. You Why know, is that? The quarterback just sits there in the back of the pocket and, hey, on this play, it's a three-step drop, so he's going to be four yards behind the center and trying to throw the ball. On this play, it's a five-step drop, so you know he's going to be at about six and a half yards right, but right behind the center. It 
helps you out as offensive lineman to know kind of where that quarterback is. And as a tackle, you're trying to usher that outside linebacker, the defensive end up the field. But you're always retreating. And you're always thinking about, man, if I miss this block and give this guy like a, a free shot at this quarterback, his quarterback's probably going to get hurt. And now everybody's going to look at me and say that I lost the football game for us and, or I'm um, just ruined our whole entire season because the quarterback just got hit that hard. But with a guy that has a little bit more ability, I'm going to be more aggressive because I know that I can keep this defensive end on the line of scrimmage. I don't have to retreat every single time because if I do miss a block or, you know, don't get a guy as good as I could, at that point the quarterback can make some things happen with his legs. Defensively, when we're playing a quarterback who can take off and scramble, I can't take as many chances with this offensive tackle. If it's a quarterback who's just going to be in the pocket, I can go inside, I can go outside. I don't have to be worried about keeping him contained, you know, keep him in the pocket and all those kind of things. So a running quarterback, I think, makes an offensive tackle's job you know, a little easier. There's some additional complexities to it, but a little bit easier because I mean, it, it takes away my options as a pass rusher. Well, Mike McGlinchey, not the only tackle making an impression on Sean Payton. Um, he was asked about rookie tackle Alex Palczewski. Palczewski? What do we what do we think that is? I'm going to go Palczewski. Palczewski. Here's what he said. Look, he, he's tough and he's smart. He's played a lot of football. It's not always pretty, but Listen, there's this quality of he gets the job done. I said this at the beginning of camp. Look, relative to after the draft, I thought we did a good job in that two-hour period of signing free agents. Sometimes offensive linemen are hard to get. Listen, we were able to sign a pretty good class of undrafted offensive linemen that has helped us and will help us not only this year, but in the future. I'm encouraged. Does that mean that the guys who are here now as starters won't be here for long because they're encouraged about these young guys coming up? Are they building for the future under our noses and we don't really see it? That's what you hope. You know, I know that the Broncos just gave Mike McGlinchey a boat ton of money. I know that Mike McGlinchey is the highest paid right tackle. But when you look at these NFL salaries and these contracts that these guys get, what's the guarantee? Okay, you know, yeah, you signed a five-year deal, but only the first two years are guaranteed. So if you're a guy like Sean Payton now that can develop a young guy and go in a completely different direction two years down the road because you've developed this young kid in Alex, I'm not even going to try to botch his last name for us, but you're in a better position. But also you're creating depth as well. So I think that this is constantly, when you have the ability to do this as a football team, you only benefit on the back end because of it. I was standing between Tyler Columbus and uh, Ryan Harris yesterday watching practice, so it was cool to hear them talk about offensive line play because we all look at the game differently, right? You guys look at it inside out or at least watch those guys a little more closely than than I would. See my body type, dog? I look at the tight ends and receivers. Oh, you're watching receivers now. (laughs) I'm looking at, you know, the formation, the coverages, and and, and the routes developed and things like that. Um, But these guys were (sighs) concerned about Ben Powers. Mm. Concerned about Ben Powers, and this 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 guy was supposed to be like a home run signing, like a can't miss guy. This guard who's just a road grading run blocker and is a huge guy. He's going to be great for Russell to shore up the middle of that line, create some space for him to see. But these dudes, um, Ryan and Tyler, had some issues with his technique, pass blocking, and, and thinks it could be a liability there. He's struggling with movement. You know the play that I was talking about earlier where. Javon Hargraves, and that's where Russ is able to kind of step up and he then scrambles to the left and goes and picks up what he could pick up. You know, Hargraves in a G technique, so he's on 
Ben Powers' body, just inside shoulder tip. And then you see Ben Powers step down, and he steps com- like all the way down. Like it's almost like a full slide. He stepped down like like Garrett Bowles was going to be in his hip pocket or something, where he didn't have to overset it on the inside like that. Yeah, that's just been, like communication, right? And just knowing each other's style of play? No, that's understanding that you're one-on-one. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. Like, Garrett Bowles wasn't coming. It's not communication with Garrett Bowles. He has that defensive tackle by itself. So by you having that defensive tackle by yourself, understanding, like, okay, I don't have to go this far because, like, Cush is going to stay there and hold space. So now I can be slow to go to cover this guy up and not give him, you know, you know, overset him. And now all of a sudden I got to redirect and my, my heels are clicking together and I'm out of, in a bad football playing position. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of ironic that the, that the, what we thought was a perceived weak spot going into this, this camp, Lloyd Cushenberry. Mm-hmm. We have not even heard his name at all. Does that mean he's doing well? Uh, he maybe has been the steadiest guy throughout camp. I think the issues still for Lloyd present themselves, but because these other guys are taking turns uh, with false starts and getting beaten in pass protection, he's managed to get through camp without an undue amount of attention. Um, if those other guys have been playing well, I think we may be focused a little bit more on Lloyd Cushenberry, but those other guys still have to raise their games up. Chris has been the most consistent offensive lineman out there, in my opinion, especially with that starting unit. And, you know, you look at what you're paying Garrett Bowles, you, you expect better. You look at now paying Ben Powers, paying Mike McGlinchey. These guys, you're expecting a lot. You're expecting their names never to be called, but those guys' names have been called a lot. I heard you guys talking about this on the morning show this morning. By the way, you're in your fifth straight hour of radio, Orlando. You are an Iron Man. Okay. Yeah, day four. Not even breaking a sweat. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Just chilling. Just. No, I'm an athlete. You know, I've been exactly. well conditioned. I've been doing it. I'm not like the Broncos, dude. I've, right. I've been doing this thing. Right. All right. I mean, we're not waiting until the end to, to no. just hit five hours Full straight. Full speed right away. You know. Well, was Sad on Monday did a six-hour shift. That's right. You said the heck with that yesterday and did a four-hour shift. <laughs> I had practice, man. I couldn't let DMAC tell me what happened at practice. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? But um, I heard you guys talking about Trey Lance. Trey Lance was just informed he's going to be the number three quarterback hmm. in San Francisco. Sam Darnold is the number two. Kyle Shanahan told uh, Trey Lance, after he heard the news, take the day off and process what I've told you. Should the Broncos kick the tires on trading for Trey Lance, that's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Welcome back and thank you for joining us on The Players Club. Another fun show, almost in the books. But... One more thing I want to get into here because the Broncos' backup quarterback situation, if I were to ask you one word, the the backup quarterback situation for the Broncos is? Unsettled. Unsettled. Orlando? Uh, the backup quarterback situation for the Broncos is? Underwhelming. Mm, and I would say crappy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ready to go there, but, you know. Now, we had high hopes for Jared Stidham because of the priority that was placed on his uh, acquisition, and he was given some pretty decent money. Um, clearly, Sean Payton had some some thoughts that he could be a certain guy. Maybe he hasn't proven to be that guy. And I think with Russell Wilson's propensity to get injured the last couple seasons, obviously we want him to stay healthy. But we might see the backup quarterback this year. 
Why are you looking at me like that, Orlando? No, I was reading a text message. Oh, okay. Text message okay, 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 okay. I got a bad facial expression, dog. You yeah, you do. That. No, no, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, is it me? What it, am I saying? This is making you look at me like that. It is not you. I promise. <laughs> All right, so news came out of San Francisco that Trey Lance is being basically dropped to the third quarterback, and Kyle Shanahan said that if he wants to look for a trade, he can do that as well. And he sent Trey Lance home to think about it yesterday. So Trey Lance had the day off to ponder his predicament. Um, if you're Trey Lance, Chad, what do you think is best for you at this point? Do you stay a third-string guy on a possible Super Bowl team, or do you go be third-string someplace else? Mm. Um, I, If I were him, I'm sticking this one out really? in, in San Francisco. Uh, where is it? Where is this team that you're going to go? Because if they're a team with a franchise quarterback— you're even though you're still under your rookie deal because you're a top three uh, pick, your cap hit for this season is nine point three. Next year it goes up to ten. Mm-hmm. So what team that's got a franchise quarterback in that forty million dollar a year range is going to add another ten million dollars to that room? The room's already out of whack anyway with quarterback salaries. We add in that. I'll give you two. I'll give, I'll two. give you two. Um, what about the Rams? They're here right now. Stafford not knowing where where his career is going to go. Right. And uh, I'll throw Green Bay out there. And both of these are a uh, little bit of that Shanahan tree as well. Green Bay makes sense because Jordan Love's still on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. But for the Rams and Matthew Stafford, he's what thirty plus million as far as a cap cap hit. So you add another ten to that. Uh, maybe they could pull it off, but the Rams are still trying to get out the you know f them picks territory because yeah. they signed all those free agents. They're still paying for Bobby Wagner, who's playing for Seattle this year. <laughs> you know, so they got a lot of dead cap stuff. So I, I think the Trey Lance thing is intriguing. But if you are a team that's already paying a quarterback at the franchise quarterback level, his contract adds to that room in a way that may be too rich for a lot of teams. What about Trey Lance to the Broncos? It's Russell Wilson's in that franchise quarterback salary territory. Couldn't they reshuffle some stuff and make it work? Plus ah. on the salary cap nowadays, too. It's not like, you know, five, six years ago where these quarterbacks accounted for, what, like 25 to 30% of the, the salary cap. Salary cap's, what, 250 now? It's like 225. Yeah. yeah, so now they're like the 20 range, right? And a little bit under 20, right? So... Um, I, I look at just Trey. I don't think Trey's going to end up being a, a Denver Bronco. I, I really don't. But I would like to see Sean Payton explore that option, especially if you really believe that Russell Wilson, you can't fix him if he's unfixable. But I don't think ultimately that they do that because I think Sean Payton has seen enough out of Russ to know that, hey, he is fixable. He mm-hmm. is thinking the way that I want him to think. And there was a lot of problems out there at practice yesterday, I heard, but I heard Russell Wilson wasn't one. <laughs> 99 problems, but Russ wasn't one. Yes, sir. I Russ's like. cap hit for this year is $22 million. He's 10% of the cap. Mm-hmm. So do, could you squeeze in another $10 million cap hit into that quarterback room? They got the, they got the room for you it. You could. Mike Purcell just read. Re- yeah, he, that $1,250,000. million helps, man. <laughs> it does help. So uh, it would not be a ridiculous uh, percentage of the salary cap pie to get to the quarterback room because Russell Wilson's extension doesn't really kick in until next year. So... It's, I suppose it's possible from a salary cap perspective. Brock Purdy started off last year as the number three quarterback in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance got hurt. Trey Lance started the season as the number one yeah, quarterback. Exactly. Now he's number three. Right. Yes. Which 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 leads you to believe that maybe San Francisco isn't the place for him because they've given every, him every opportunity to be the guy, and they're 
you know, they're saying, no, you can mm-hmm. leave if you want. What did I say as well with Sam Darnold, right? He was the starter for the Jets. Jets moved on from him yeah. before even he got through his rookie deal. Went out there to Carolina. Carolina said, the heck with you. Right? Went and drafted their first overall pick, and now Sam Darnold's the number two in San Fran. It means that Brock Purdy's the chosen one, man. It means that Brock Purdy's the chosen one, but what does it say about Trey? Lance. Yeah, well, he's, he's, not. Not. he's <laughs> not. He was at one point the chosen one. Now he's the chosen three by Kyle Shanahan. So you can seek a trade if you'd like. All right, I did hear you say, though, oh, that Jonathan Taylor, would you'd be interested in bringing him here. I know there was a report from Cecil Lammy. His phone was getting blown up by GMs telling him, Cecil, we want to know what you think we should do. And Cecil's like, don't bother me right now. I'm hiking. When he got down from the hike, he hit him up. He gave him his advice. And they said, we believe you. Don't listen to I love that. I haven't heard that one in a long time, man. Um, okay, Jonathan Taylor to the Bronx. Why are you look? Okay, the facial. Because you said that, because you said that, that I was interested in bringing him here. I thought you said that. No, they, I said that I think that there's a bit of intrigue when right. it comes to Sean Payton. Okay. Because uh, having two of the same running backs in Javante Williams and Samaje Priyan, same style running back, yeah. looking for that compliment. I don't know that you could rely on your rookie undrafted running back that weighs about 190 pounds at the start of the year, right. saying that he's going to get through 17 games being that nice Swiss Army changeup type of change of pace back. I don't know that you really want to go down this road with Jaleel McLaughlin in year one. So you don't feel comfortable with the running back room as it is now for the Denver Broncos? No, I just look at Sean Payton and what he's done over like the course of his career. And I think that it would be very intriguing for a different style of running back to be in that that complimentary role. A guy that maybe has played a little bit of football. And I think we all would agree that Jonathan Taylor would make this football team better. He'd make any football team better in the National Football League. Chadwick Everett Brown? Uh, I love Jonathan Taylor's skill set. Um, the Broncos looking at uh, SpotRack.com are roughly the middle of the pack as far as running back room spending. Um, I think they're spending nine million bucks versus say Tennessee Titans who are spending twenty two million, the Raiders twenty million. Tennessee's number one. Number one. And the Raiders uh number two. That, number that, three. And that factors in Josh Jacobs' contract as it is now? I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh Cleveland Browns at number three at eighteen million, the Giants at sixteen million, San Francisco at fourteen million. So the Broncos okay. are down in nine million bucks a year. So could they probably pull it off? That they could. But Jonathan Taylor, he was it's looking to be a trade situation. Broncos are going to draft capital to get Russell Wilson. Draft capital to get Sean Payton. Are you willing to now give up draft? Are you going to go the Rams model and, and F all your picks? I don't think this team needs to be all in from like a Super Bowl perspective and F them picks. We've got to get this done this year. They need to build for the future. And if you keep robbing yourself of your picks, at some point you got to pay for that. Yeah. Or can we now afford to give away our fourth first-round pick? Yeah. So yeah, you're saying, so you're saying the Broncos are building for the future. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> well, you're like, should be. Well, well DMAC thinks DMAC thinks that Sean Payton, if he doesn't win the Super Bowl in three years, he's leaving. I don't, I can't uh, reasonably argue that. Right? right now. Really? Yeah. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl in three years, he's gonna leave and go back to the media. Why not? The media's gonna pay you five, six, seven, ten million bucks a year. He's making more here. Yeah, but he can do that with a lot less stress. You know, I, I had a chance. Do you to, want to work three hour days? Yes. Or do you want to work twenty I, hour know, days? I, I, was at a, I was at a charity event, and you know, Sean Payton's wife was there, and she was saying how great it was. They were living on the beach in ah. L.A., making millions of dollars a year, showing up to the Fox Studios for a long Sunday. So why would he leave? Because there's a coaching, got that itch, there's man. a coaching itch to be scratched. And after three years, you know what? 
I think I like that beach itch a little bit better. Do you think there's any regrets as of right now for Sean Payton? Like, man, six months ago or, or nine months ago, I was just working like four-hour days. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> and, and there's no beach around. There's no beach. But there is Russell Wilson, and he's going to lead you to the promised land. He, he's not afraid of pressure. He runs toward pressure. So do we here on the Players Club Fun Show, guys. Stick around. Shh. Stokely and Zach, they're next.